When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now it's moving. Yeah, you look for the red. That means we're recording. See red? Coming. Okay, you see red, which means we're recording. Okay. So, welcome. Hey, Dave. Hey, Holly. What's going on? How are you? Oh, I'm good after that uh, horrible uh, misstep there. Uh, all right. We recorded a whole show without actually recording it. All right. Fortunately, it wasn't a whole show, no. but... So, welcome. We got we to fire the engineer. Who is that guy? Yes, we do. Damn it. He should get a... His pay should get docked. All right. Okay, so, hey, Dave... Hey, Holly, what's going on? Welcome to What Difference Does It Make? Oh, yes. Welcome. Welcome. Can I? Yes. Look at that. All right. We We're got recording. red. We're recording. So this is going to be a great show. I really like 1982. You gave me an assignment, which I love. Yes. Our favorites from the year that was? 1982. 1982. Favorite albums. Or as you said when you emailed me, LPs. Yes. Which is short for... Long playing. Yes. <laughs> what does EP stand for? Uh, extended play. Extended play. Yes. <laughs> Good. Okay. Actually, I mentioned EPs because some of my favorite EPs came out um, in 1982. So what are La- some of them? Later in my life, later in life, that I, from bands that I learned to love, um, it was uh, like the uh, the replacements. Stink came out. Yep. REM's Chronic Town, mm-hmm. which will uh, I'll talk your ear off about REM later, but not oh, in know. this episode. Um, Sonic Youth had an EP out, um, and uh, the Beastie Boys also, which I will talk your ear off on. Also, Sonic, yeah, all all these bands. So, so those four bands, four significant uh, debuts from. Uh, was it well? The replacements had an album out already, but anyway, th- those were some EPs that I had not discovered in in 1982. But I discovered later, and I think that's kind of the theme of 1982 albums that I learned to love later, but I did not uh, necessarily discover in 1982. It's interesting that you point that out because as I look at my list, I think that's probably the case also, especially with my my first pick, which I'm not going to go into yet. I realize. Uh, now it was released in 1982, but I don't think I fell madly in love with it until probably 1984. Interestingly, um, oh, oh, okay. More on that later. That's my teaser. All right, yeah. Because <laughs> so I divided my albums up into albums that I actually bought in 1982, 
and albums that I discovered after 1982 that I that I learned to love and are, are I listen to all the time. Now. Well, you know, a lot, and I have a deep, deep, deep appreciation for. I know I keep staring at the red lines too. Like, <laughs> well, I'm I'm impressed that you remember that you could divide your list up that way because I don't really remember. Remember, I can't tell you when I fell in love with these. I just know they were released in 1982, so I'm going with oh, that. Yeah, well, every collection it, when you know when you buy a record back then, it meant a lot because you were plucking down your own cash. Yeah, my so, babysitting money. Yeah, an hour. you're making a huge investment. You know, I was bike riding up Victory Boulevard and then <laughs> then making uh, making a, a, a left and going to Licorice Pizza. Mm-hmm. And I was going and, you know, trying to, okay, let's see, these are albums on sale. Maybe I could buy this. And then I would go into Topanga Plaza and I would check out, uh, go to where? The warehouse. Correct. And um, see what uh, what they had on sale there. Yeah. And then I would make a, you know, like, all right, what's what's the better deal? And then maybe I would go back across the street. And so it was a, it was a big deal for me to kind of figure out what I wanted to get. It was because when you think about it now, it was a lot of money. I can't remember. Were albums seven ninety nine at the time? I remember they were on sale. I think for like the sale uh, uh, the sale was four ninety seven, I believe. Okay. I think that number is stuck in my head. Um, but if they weren't on sale, it was uh, it would be like uh, seven, yeah. seven, eight bucks, and that would be a huge that that would might be a breaking point for me. So when when you think about that, so 1982, we were in high school. I was working in retail, so I wasn't. It was past my babysitting years. I was working in retail, and I was making like less than four dollars an hour. I think minimum wage was three eighty five an hour at that I think time. It was three thirty five. Three thirty-five, and then it went up that. to three eighty-five. And remember, because we got that whopping fifty-cent raise. Oh, nice! I believe. Yeah. So going in, so, so that's like two hours of work just to buy a record. Well, they take out <laughs> taxes too, so it was yeah. There's like that. three, three. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, you had to put in a lot, and then yeah, just a lot of yeah, a, a, lot, a lot of thought, thought, a lot of thought, a lot of anguish. Yeah. Um, As opposed to, to now, when we could just walk in and buy, I'll take that, 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 because you know the albums you buy are a quarter. <laughs> well, yes. I thought you're like with streaming, everything is available. Like today is oh, we, right. we record this on Friday, and what I do now is you know like okay, what what came out that's new? Oh, okay, this is great. The the new Robin album came out. <laughs> Click of the button, it's down, it's on my phone yeah. already, and that's what I'm, I'm going to listen to the new Robin album later today, which Can't I'm very excited about. By the good, I that makes it. me happy. Oh, Robin, I wouldn't have thought. Oh, Robin's the best. Yeah. This is her first album in a long time. Yeah. Ah, she's she's a Swedish guy. She's Swedish. She's <laughs> Swedish. Yes. All right. Okay, so do you want to <laughs> run down really quick? So we're doing the top. We're doing we're – each do, of us have chosen our five favorite LPs from 1982. Right, and we're going to divide this into two episodes because we do so much uh, – Blathering. Blab, yes. What is the Yiddish word for – uh, um, Not yammering. Kibitzing. 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 Yes, we kibitz a We're lot. Kibitzers. We are kibitzers. <laughs> so, I, so I, again, I, we'll uh, we'll do part one. It'll be um, three of mine, two of yours, and then part two will be two of mine, three of yours, and we'll uh, see what what we come up with. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. So, well, do you want to first just read a quick list of some of the top albums from 1982, and we can see if any of our picks match up to them? Oh, yeah. 1982 was a, a stellar year for actually. As I was looking through this list, it, it's quite a, it's kind of a wide variety mishmash. of music. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not just necessarily pop music. Um, 
We're talking about pop music. Mm, pop. Pop, mm, pop, pop music. Uh, Talk about Let's see. As I as I'm looking through my papers, there it is. I hear that you are. Oh, here we go. Okay, got through the papers here. Um, all right. So the uh, 82 started off with metal, uh, ACDC for those about to rock you. Do you have any metal on your list? I don't. No, I, I no, I do not. Me either. In the Halloween episode, we we had talked briefly about uh, Iron Maiden and how uh, that that might be on the list, but. Uh, Good stuff, but it's not on my not list. on your list, ah. nor is it on mine. Run to the hills. Um, it's good stuff. Iron Man still rocking it. Yeah. Um, all right, so uh, ACDC <laughs> for those about to rock, we salute you. Um, then we went uh, pop rock, like you know, we go for although it was it was it was a pop hit, uh, Foreigner Four, which we I, I guess we um, kind of realized. Toto 4 was four a, is a theme in 1982. I, well, I think, no, um, Toto 4 came out, was that like 84? Was it like the next 82. year? Was it 82? Yeah, it's on my honorable mentions. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think, it, yeah, but that one probably extended into 83. Oh, yeah, because it, it had Africa and, and uh, Rosanna. I Won't Hold Back and Rosanna. Yeah. I Won't Hold Back. You don't remember that? I I'm don't. not singing it for you. All right, fine. Um, uh, all right, so then, um, yeah, more rock. rock Sorry, rock. I can't hold back. Okay, does that sound more familiar to you? No, <laughs> I'm sure it's a it's a. Is it? I, I'm sure we can uh, mellow out on the coast and listen to a little Toto. And, is it played on the? Yeah, uh, yes, yes, a little. You recognize immediately. Well, it's more rocking than than uh, Toto and Rosanna. More. Rockin'. I mean, sorry, than Rosanna and Africa. Okay, it's a little yeah. All right. Okay. What more? Uh, more? Then we go uh, more more rock, uh, Freeze Frame, Jay Gowell's band. Um, And then the Go-Go's take over for uh, for six six glorious weeks. And as we discussed. That it's actually Vacation that was released in 1982, but probably didn't chart until 1983. I'm sure. Well, Beauty and the Beat was exploded. You're not going to release an album, another album. When Beauty and the Beat is is still it was released in still, 1982. No, I understand. Vacation. But, Don't argue but, with me. No, I did no, my research. No, I understand that. But <laughs> but uh, you know, like record label is not gonna. If you have a number one record, you're not gonna release another record. Right. But they had one ready to go, and obviously, I guess uh, you know, April 10th, it fell off the charts, or you know, fell off number one, and so they were like, "All right, you girls, get got in there. vacation. We need another one. Let's get another one up there." Um, so there you go. So uh, and and then following up the Go Go's like. Pop rock, new wave type uh, record. Uh, Chariots of Fire, Vangelis. <laughs> Vangelis? Vangelis? I'm going with Vangelis. Vangelis. Yeah. Uh, our, uh, yes, our, our favorite uh, Greek composer Greek. next to Yanni. Um, yeah, that was, that was, this was a thing for four weeks. It was, uh, it was number one. I'm sure it was the number one song too. Yeah. A Chariots of Fire thing. Did you ever see the movie? I saw it. Yeah, after the fact, I guess because I was told I had to. Yeah, that that's how you love. That's how you learn to love something when someone says you have yes, to listen right. to this. I've learned I can't force you to to watch no. or listen to anything. That was won't. back when I was more. Nineteen eighty two must have been back when I was more. Um, uh, Open. People were able to. No, oh, I wasn't going to say that. People were able to force their opinions on me about something, and I would, you know, okay, I'll do that. All right. Well, it's nothing wrong to. All right, I'm going back to, up to as as um as I will show. I, I mean, I was 
also open, apparently, or at the age of uh, whatever age I was. 17. I wasn't 17. I was 16. I was 17. So you were 16. Were you? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, maybe I did get my license then. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So then, um, then we go back to, uh, to pop rock, to rockin' Asia with the heat of the moment. Yeah. Do you remember the members in Asia? It was like guys from Yes, yes. Steve Howe and Jeff Down. This was, this was like a super group. Yeah. Asia, the super group. Heat of the moment and uh, uh, t- uh, what was the other one? It was like with cowbells. Anyway, it was know. huge. It was. They were both hits. Though. They they did have two. It was hits so huge that it was a hit. It was a number a number one record for two weeks in May. Then it fell off because Paul McCartney took over oh. with Tug of War um, for three weeks. And then after three weeks, it was like you know what Asia, boom, still still has wow. some heat. So for another seven weeks, Asia took over. So so far, nothing. Uh, no no overlap with mine. How about you? Okay. Uh, no none none whatsoever. <laughs> strangely enough um and so oh and now actually i i guess i should mention that uh paul mccartney's that was tug of war was a hit was number one in uh 1982 and then his uh then he had another n- number one record his next one came up this year with his latest album yes which is insane which is pretty good yeah so anyway he he was uh hidden never to be seen from from 1982 until 2018, apparently we never heard from Paul. No, I nothing. Know, I don't know what's going on with him. I hope he's, you know, he's fine during that time. But uh, yeah, he's returned, he and uh, yeah, and we so, welcome him. Yeah, welcome Paul. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, um, and then um, this this huge album was uh, as business as usual by Men at Work. Yes, our fi- favorite Australians. Um, seven weeks at number one in 1982, uh-huh. and probably into '83. I mean, this was just. A massive yes. hit. Yes. Craziness. Oh, I also forgot. Oh, darn it. I My papers were messed up. I also missed uh, Mirage by Fleetwood Mac. Oh, right. It was number one. I, did you like Mirage? It uh, was not my favorite era for a lot of the bands in the realm of, in, of Fleetwood Mac, um, who I love. But no, I was not a huge fan of yeah, that Yeah, this album. was their, they went, you know, Tusk was a bizarre record. Yes. And it was number one. It did really well. Yeah, but it was still, I, I love that album. I still do. And then yeah. uh, um, I guess people got to Lindsay and were saying, you know what, let's just, let's make a Rumors too. Why don't we do that? You know how well Rumors did? Let's try and do that again. Replicate we indulged this. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this was a good, it's, it's still a good record. It's still yeah. very good. And they went on to make other weird, you know, like Tango in the Night. There's a yeah. there's some other good Fleetwood Mac records um, that were made later on. But, uh, but yeah, Mirage was a kind of a safe record. Not, yeah. not, not my favorite. No. I, and I, I found that with some of my other, uh, bands that I really liked put out albums that year that, that I wasn't that impressed with myself that, that weren't my favorites like Aria Speedwagon, uh, Good Trouble, Queen with Hot Space, although it did produce Under Pressure. So the, yeah. And Good Trouble was the one that followed up uh, High Infidelity, right? So yeah. that was kind of like there. Oh, kind of a letdown. Right. For yeah. me personally, sorry. I would imagine so, yeah. Yeah. And then Hart put out Private Audition. I don't even know that record. Uh, no, there was a single on it, but it didn't even sound familiar to me. It's called This Man Is Mine. And uh, Don Henley with I Can't <laughs> which, Stand Still. Which will get me going. Also in 1982, I, I don't consider it a 1982 record, but uh, Thriller came out in 82. And did. I did not like Thriller initially because what was the name of that Hart song? Uh, pri- uh, private audition. The the single. 
Oh, <laughs> the man. This man is mine. Oh, okay. Oh. So the the girl, girl is, is mine. mine. The that, girl is mine. Mm-hmm. Was that duet between Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney, which I hated, and I would not buy Thriller for a long, long time because I did not like um, that song at all. It's like if this is the album, I'm not interested. You know, people kept talking about Michael Jackson. You know, this so Thriller. That's weird. Album. Did they release that first? That was the first single. Weird. It, it went to number one, and I was like, I, I don't, don't want any part of this until. Thriller. You know, uh, I mean, the, the song. Yeah. I mean, in, in 83, I, you know, my the drum line got behind. You know, I remember like a, like I was at a friend's house and he put on Thriller and started drumming to uh, to beat it. He loved Thriller. It, actually, everyone in, in my drum line loved Thriller. So asked, when I started listening to it, like, oh, my God, this is, this is this really good. Chance. Yeah. So that was, they, yeah, they won me, you know, like yeah. everything. It was it was my social media network. Yes, exactly. That told me that this was something to get interested in. And of course, then I become, became obsessed with it. Um, I didn't mention uh, the, the album that was number one for the longest period of time, um, nine straight weeks, as opposed to Asia, which took took a break. Uh, nine straight weeks, uh, American Fool was the record by John Cougar, who was going by John Cougar at the time. Uh, just uh, an explosion. Jack and Diane. Jack and Diane. Fucking on a chili dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, I think I do. Yeah, I think we do. Hey, you found the What Difference Does It Make podcast. We're going to take a break right now, and we'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Told you we'd be back. Here we go. All right. So now we've we've determined that no <laughs> that there's no crossover Correct. for either of us with the the top albums of 1982. So shall we? Would you like to start? All right. So all right. So I'm predictable. Gonna, so I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go over my my records that I bought first, and then I'll 
talk about uh, a few records that I um, that I discovered after 1982 that I love, but that were released in 1982. Yes, that mean a lot to me. You're very uh, thorough. Well, <laughs> well, I was going down the list like I don't know any of these. Right? I mean, they they're not a lot. I mean, I I knew them, but they didn't mean a lot to me. Like those songs that you, the, like those lists that you just gave, went through, like they didn't mean anything to right. me. Right. So, but you have a lot here that do. There are there are a few that that mean a lot. All right. Um, like this one. Well, um, yeah. What do you think it? <laughs> oh, I already know. <laughs> what do you think it is? Because you're a, you're you you're not that predictable, on the whole. Right. But this one has to be Bruce Springsteen. Well, it's true. <laughs> but I, and he is on my list, and it's it's weird to me that he is on my list, and that I bought this record because I was just a kid, fifteen, sixteen years old. These songs about. Uh, about Americans that are struggling through life, you know, they're they're not necessarily they're not living high on the hog. How they're, does a sixteen-year-old relate to this? How, who grew up in the San Fernando Valley? Yes, exactly. I, this was not something I should be listening to, or that I can relate to, that I would put on. I, and um, and I think it, you know the the table had already been set for me. I bought the River from nineteen eighty, and I love that record a lot. That was my first exposure to the Springsteen. I. I'm pretty sure I bought Born to Run. I don't think I had bought Darkness yet. That was, you know, these are these were huge investments for me. But I bought Nebraska when it came out, and I think a lot of it has to do with um, just reading about it. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, my, we got the newspaper every day, and the calendar section. Uh, there was always uh, in the pop section was uh, you know Robert Hilburn who loves. Like a door worships Bruce worships Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> so that was my entry. Like, okay, well, he's writing about this. I mean, he Robert Hilburn was a was an entry into a lot of new music. That's you know, I discovered the Pretenders through him, and just anything new that he was excited about. I was like, all right, I'll give this a you know interest. You know, like I think REM was was one of those bands. Sure. Um, but yeah, because you know, it wasn't necessarily played on the radio immediately. Uh, Nebraska certainly was not played on the radio, <laughs> but I don't know. I decided like, okay, I'm going to make this investment because I've, I've read a little bit about it. Um, you know, I, I've read some interviews with Bruce. I, I've read Hilburn's uh, review. And so, you know, I, I, I bought it and I listened to it and I, I did, I, I, I was fully invested. And I, I, I guess I listened to them as stories, maybe, mm. you know, it was story. It was, it's folk music, it's, folk, it's country. Deep. That's not at all, but but it was just, um, and maybe it was because you know, like there's Johnny ninety nine about a guy who goes on a killing spree and, and um, you know and ends up killing. It was like, all right, fine, I did what I did. Now you kill me, like, and yeah. you know, it was like maybe I it was like comic book heroes or or just desperation that it was gloom and doom type stuff, and maybe that was you know this was my Morrissey record or something. I don't know. <laughs> It's an interesting observation because they're not the stories like that are not relatable in any way to teenagers. I remember that yeah. I, I, my parents are the ones that turned me on to Bruce Springsteen because that's what they were listening to in 1982. I remember they had Nebraska yeah. probably a cassette. My parents and, didn't know yeah. who Bruce Springsteen was. Yeah, but but they appreciated the stories. I mean, they really they could relate to the stories did more they, than you could. So <laughs> did they have Nebraska? Did they play that on on the hi-fi? On the, on the cassette player in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what compelled me to buy it. Yeah. You know, he initially, Bruce had, uh, had brought it to the E Street Band. It's like, okay, here, here's where we're going. 
And they tried to <laughs> create some music around this depressing music. And it's like, this is not going to work. Well, they did and, well with it. And so, and so Bruce was like, all right, fine. I, you know, these demos, maybe I'm just going to release this as a demo. This demo is a fully produced album. And that's how he released it. And, and I still have it to this day. Like, all right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he still, he still plays these albums. He plays the, the songs with the E Street yeah. Band. Um, you know, so it's kind of... Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's toyed around with them a little bit, and you know it's kind of cool to hear his his different arrangements, or you know what the E Street Band brings to it now. So, um, yeah, the songs are still they're memorable, and I still know the words to these songs. That's which is weird to me. <laughs> it's a very good choice, and and you're much deeper than uh, no, not <laughs> well, for sure. You're deeper than me. Once you hear what I what I went with. <laughs> All, right. All right, so go ahead. What what have you got? <laughs> I'm not doing mine in any order, and certainly I didn't break them down into, uh, you know, ones I bought in 82 and ones I bought later that had an impact on me that were released in 82. But I am going first with ABC Lexicon of Love. Okay. And I cannot tell – I mean, it's – well, it's deep and meaningful to me. I was – so it was released in 82, but I think I didn't really enjoy it to its fullest probably until 1984-ish. It reminds me of a um, – <laughs> personally – I was working in retail at the time. I was working in a store called Camp Beverly Hills, and we listened to it endlessly mm-hmm. when I was in there. And it just reminded me; it just it was, they were such good memories to me. Um, there were four hits. Hits, maybe they were considered alternative, but they weren't your classic pop hits. But um, they were all top twenty in the UK, at least. And was, it, was this something that um, someone from work brought the cassette to play in the store? That, it, that, that must have that been it, and I can't tell you who it was. We were all, I mean, we were all into music and we all tried to choose, you know, what was going in next. Of course. Um, but this was kind of an endless loop. Um, and it was just, you know, it's all about love. I mean, every, every song on it, uh, love, heartache, trying and failing to have a meaningful relationship. Um, it is the lexicon of love, isn't it? Yes. So my, my personal fit, do you, do you like this album? I, I know the singles. Um, and I think I, I actually bought it like, Later, in, like I found it for twenty five cents. At, oh <laughs> well, everybody should have it. And I picked it up, and yeah, it, it's it's a it's good. And as um, um as we touched on a, a few episodes back, I got to see ABC earlier mm-hmm. this year, and they're still great. I mean, yes. he's still he's kind of like a, a Brian Ferry type singer, uh, Martin yes. Fry. Martin F-R-Y. Fry. Yeah. So yeah, this album has definitely has legs, and those songs still hold up very well. You know who produced it? You're going to take a guess because I test you on this every time. I, I don't remember. So every time I ask you if you know who produced this album, it's usually the same person. Is so. it Thomas Dolby? No. Try, <laughs> one more guess. Uh, Trevor Horn. Trevor Horn. <laughs> okay. I don't know why. I'm not okay. So I, I'm going to read you a quote uh, from Martin Fry about the song. I think it was the first single, Look of Love. I can't remember if it was released first. I think so. Maybe Poison Arrow. I can't remember. Oh, no. Tears Are Not Enough was first. What he says about (laughs) what Martin Fry himself says about Look of Love. He says, it's not a chirpy love song, but about how to deal with it when love goes away. The song is genuinely about the moment you get your teeth kicked in by somebody you love fucking off. You feel like shit, but you have to search for some sort of meaning in your life. Lovely. Yeah. So, um this yeah. is interesting. He that's, he that's how you you make good music. <laughs> you get love hurt. getting kicked in the teeth. Yeah, you get 
Exactly. Yeah. Use that. Okay, right. the last thing I'm going right. to tell you about this album. Please do. Please. <laughs> Personal. My favorite song on this album is All of My Heart. Oh, yes. And I cry at the first note of that song to this day. And that's what I'm going to leave you with. What is the first note? Well, I can't sing the note, <laughs> but the first the first line is Once Upon a Time When We Were Friends. Oh. I gave you my heart and the story ends. Well, there you go. Okay. Yeah. No, hap- no happy ever after. And now we're friends. Anyway. Oh, you're so, tearing up already. Look yeah. at you. <laughs> okay, so next. You, you Give me one. All right, so this is one that I think you might have also. I doubt it. Really? All right. It's uh, Prince's 1999. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, so we can both talk about this. It's Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah this was, I think this was the first Prince album I bought, and I still have it to this day. Yes. <laughs> because. It's a double album. Maybe, how many songs were on it? Like nine? There weren't that many songs on it, but, you know, like extended jams. Yeah. And I just I just loved it. And I, I basically, it was for those first two songs, 1999 and then followed by Little Red Corvette. There are actually 10. 10 songs. Double yeah. album, 10 songs. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one some uh, some sides only had two songs on them, which was great. And it was just great. Yeah, I'll um, tell you, actually. Yeah, most sides had, well, the first two sides had little... Uh, and Delirious. That was the oh, first 99 side. Little Red Corvette and Delirious. Yeah, three, boom, that's it. Yep. You make that, your your career is set for life. Yeah. Seriously. You don't even have to listen to the rest you don't of the need record. To, yeah. I mean, th- that would be my favorite album right there. Yeah. Well, it probably was. Well, it was among mine for sure. Yeah, and, and he had those uh, the, the performance videos to the to accompany 1999 and Little Red Corvette were tremendous. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I still the the quick dance he does during the instrumental break of Little Red Corvette. He is. It's the greatest. I, I he does. It's like fifteen seconds long, mm. and I just I live for that. Just watching that, that was just insane. He was, oh God. Yeah. I know. I can't say enough. Super I, talented. So, I, I I I will admit now in 2018 that when Little Red Corvette was was uh, released, I didn't get at first you know what it was about. Neither did I. Okay. Okay. So good. I, so I wasn't I, I had abnormal. No clue. I had no clue. Okay. Well, now it's so it's Trojans um, and some of them used. I had no idea what that meant. Yes, it, it's funny because they what that's I guess we weren't maybe weren't supposed to because it wasn't so uh, blatant like Dirty Mind and I guess you know the song Soft and Wet and Head, but they they so that line is she had a pocket full of horses Trojans some of them used and the jockey I, this was the, I think the first thing that I might have learned about it when I learned about that. That's what the song was about. The jockeys represent men who have previously slept with the girl. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Did you know that Stevie Nicks got the idea for Stand Back from this song? Little Red Corvette? Yeah. For which song? Little Red Corvette. No, I mean, what song? For For Stand Stand Back. Back. Stand Back. So she heard it in her car. She. The story is she heard it in her car. She went directly to the studio and laid down some tracks. And um, she said Prince came in and added the keyboard bit. And she said he came up with the riff as soon as he started playing it. Super genius. Yeah, super genius. It was fun for me. Just learning. I kind of learned about sex through this. Just, <laughs> I just, just him, like in, at the last song, the International Lover, mm-hmm. where he does like it's it's innuendo. Even I got the innuendo for this. <laughs> I mean, it was you know it was obviously what's going on. I'm like, okay, all right, this is 
here's something. This is how this is how you woo a girl. Woo a lover, which we were not doing at 16 years old. Not even close. (laughs) Oh my god, it's just horrible. Um, So you're right, but then you're 1999, which is another one of those. I mean, I have the album here, but it's it's funny because you I I noticed like the um, yeah the album. You know, you look at it like okay, there there you know you notice this, you know this rude boy that's from controversy. The one in 1999 kind of looks a little phallic. To oh, me. it's a penis for yeah, sure. Yeah, clearly, right? Did you ever notice, like in the uh, in the eye and, and Prince, <laughs> what it says? Do you see what it says? The end. Can you read that? Hang on. I know. Revolution. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so no, I never noticed that before. So Prince, yes, Prince and the Revolution. He he really hid <sighs> that. Did wow, very like, uh, yeah, interesting. But the you know revolution, you know you look. Look at the the pictures, and you know that's the revolution right there. Wendy and there Lisa no, both in the revolution, right? Or just, yes, was it, well, it just this, Wendy? It was just in this one. It's just Lisa. Lisa, no. sorry. Yes. Um. So do you know when I you mean, when you <laughs> yeah. I love these. When you heard 1999 for the first time, looking, the song. Looking at the photos of Prince, yeah. like half <laughs> naked. We'll post them. Oh my god, the best. Um. Okay. So when you first heard the song 1999, the song, not yes. not the whole album, did you know? Uh, did you know what the song was about? I mean, we, all we know from it is we're going to party like it's 1999. Uh, yeah, the world is ending, and um, so let's party. Yeah. I did not think about it in terms of the world ending. Yeah, that was a theme in a lot of his music, like, yeah. you know. Like, maybe I just refuse to, yeah. to like, hear let's, that. Let's get crazy. Yeah. Go crazy. Let's say. go crazy. <laughs> you don't think of that as that. I, I don't. Everybody's got a yeah. bomb. We could all die any day. Yeah. So just dance the night away. Yeah. Yes. Good stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, good choice. Yeah. You're right. So we yeah. do. We share that I don't know how one. well do you have how well this record did. I mean, I, I, I were these top ten hits like uh, the singles or the album? Did it make? Did it? it peaked I, I at forty one. And yeah, on Billboard, the album. The album peaked Sorry? at forty one. No, my mistake. Not that the song nineteen ninety nine peaked at forty one on the Hot one hundred that year, but Little Red Corvette went oh. to number six on the Hot one hundred. Okay. Yeah, I, think I don't that know was about the bigger album. hit. Yeah, look at these that. songs, Aut-O-Matic. Yes. Love. Yeah. Yeah, this was him experimenting a little bit. Yeah. Um, and just kind of stretching it out. This was uh, this was a follow up to controversy. Yep. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it it was just a big. He was. I mean, it set the table for for his next album. But uh, I I still love this. I could still listen to this all the way through yeah, and love it. That's probably why we both have it on our list. I yes, for good reason. Yeah. All right. Okay, so wait, that was considered one of yours. <laughs> that's, that's fine. It's both of ours. So how many? How many have we discussed? We've got three. Mm-hmm. All right, get, uh, you give me one, and I'll give, and then I'll do one. You want another one? Okay. You give me. Yeah. All right, I I'm going. To, yeah. See, I feel very. I do feel very predictable, but I can't help it. This is. I'm. I'm true to my 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 roots. Uh, my next pick is uh, Yaz or Yazoo, depending where you're from. Upstairs at Eric's. Love it. Yes. Okay. Good. I love this album. I can, and again, I can't tell you. You know, you're you were going deep with Springsteen, and then you got a little more for for uh, Prince. But this just I don't want to say it's got a good beat and you can dance to it. But every every song on this, uh, well, only you. I think that might have been mm-hmm. what drew me in to begin with. Um, it had "Don't Go." It had. Um, Did you call them Yaz or Yazoo? I think we called them Yaz. We called them Yaz. They're, they're Yazoo in the UK because yeah. there was another um, band here called Yazoo. Which is 
bizarre. Mm. <laughs> There's another band called Yazoo. Yeah, I know. How random. Um, so Allison Moyer, right? Alice, it was Allison Moyer and Vince Clark. And um, funny of Erasure. Yes. And Depeche Mode. Okay. <laughs> oh. Which I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you a story about that. This is kind of funny. But um, first, which I did not know, situa- this was done by the record company, I guess. Do you know the song Situation? Yes. Uh, it was originally the B-side of Only You, mm-hmm. but they released it as the band's debut single in the U.S. and Canada. You think that was a good choice? I still know that song today, so yeah. I'm sure. So it was I obviously guess. a good choice. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah. It's funny. So, okay, so... Um, Great vocal from Allison Moyet. I know. She has the most soulful voice. She is. Still plays around. (gasps) Still plays in town. Somehow I keep missing her, but I know. So, okay, after Only You, uh, Vince Clark and Allison Moyet, they wanted to keep their their momentum going. So Vince Clark, the only experience he had had in a recording studio. uh, (laughs) Come on, Holly, tell the story. Keep going. So he was... They recorded Depeche Mode's Speak and Spell, which was their first album, at um, Blackwing Studios. It was in uh, southeast London. And that was his only, his first experience in a recording studio. So I guess he thought you could just show up. So then he's with Alison Moyet with uh, Yaz or Yazoo because they were in London. He thought, okay, so I guess we could just show up. He, he said, I assumed that Blackwing was the only studio I could record at because that's where he recorded with Depeche Mode. So they showed up. <laughs> they just showed up there. And, um, however, when they arrived, their, uh, their studio was booked and the producer that he assumed he was going to work with, because that's who he'd work with, with Depeche Mode, they were booked. So they uh, recorded this album in early, during early morning, starting at like 5 or 6 a.m. and working to, uh, uh, till 11. Kind of cool that they let him in and let him do this without, a, without an appointment. <laughs> um, but they just kind of did it whenever time was available in the studio. I don't know, I just thought it was you, a fun You, you funny, do what you got to do. Yeah, but I just... You strike I, when inspiration hits you, like Stevie Nicks, you know? Exactly. Yes. This album is so just indicative of the time, I guess, and I don't know. Was this played at Camp Beverly Hills? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, it was. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, so Vince, I guess it's funny. While we talk about Alison Moyes' voice, it really, Vince Clark, he's uh, all my... my uh, Favorite bands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes, Erasure, Depeche Mode, Yazoo. This is funny. He he told he recent in a recent interview he told uh, that he gave only you was influenced by Sound of Silence, the Simon and Garfunkel song. Yeah. Yep. All right. Anyway, that's I don't know. Well, I'm going to have to review that. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. So why don't we uh, wrap this up right here? Oh, good call. So, so okay, can we do? <laughs> yes, can we do our our nineteen uh, eighties rock and roll quiz deck? Yes, I think it's your turn. All so right. I'm going to let you pick a card. All right. So this is uh, we're going to do this at the end of every episode, even if we divide this into parts, because <laughs> this is part one. We'll be coming back in a week with part two, and I'm picking a card, and I'm going to read you the question. Oh, okay. Here's and you are going to give me the answer. Oh, okay. It looks involved. Oh. Okay. These are what this is about one hit wonders. Match each artist or group below with its one and only major US hit. All right. So I'm going to read you, I'll read you the band, and then I'll read you the four choices of songs. All right. Give, That'll be the easiest. Well, why don't, you, why don't you give me the song and I'll say the artist? Oh, okay. You want to mix it See up? See if a I bit. could do that. Oh, of course you can. Well, uh, or the opposite way, whichever way, you can mix it You're up. All right. No, I'm going to give you the song Funky Town. 
Monkey Town was uh, Lips Inc. Very good. All right. The future's so bright, I got to wear shades. That was Timbuk3 from Austin, <laughs> Texas. Very good. 99 Lift Balloons. Uh, Nana from Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, waiting for a star to fall. All right, you got me. Waiting for a star to fall. Yeah, see, had we not done it this way, I could have given you your choices because no, that's multiple fine. choice. I, it doesn't even ring a bell. I wouldn't have known this one either. It's Boy Meets Girl. This okay. was a husband and wife team of Pat and yeah. Barbara McDonald. Oh, no, sorry. That was Timbuk3. That was my mistake. Okay. Never mind. Delete this. It was Boy Meets Girl. Yes. And we don't Ge- know anything further about that band. Well, I can tell you, George Merrill met Shannon Rubicam at a Seattle wedding and Boy Meets Girl was born. Waiting for a Star to Fall was number five in 1988. Was the duo's, big- duo's biggest splashes performers, but they also wrote, ah, here is your fun fact. They also wrote the Grammy winning I Want to Dance with Somebody for Whitney Houston. There you go. There you go. There right. we go. All right. All right. So that was, that was part one of... Of, the, of our favorite LPs from 1982. Correct. Yeah. Good episode. Fun, fun times. Fun, 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 fun. This has been What Difference Does It Make? I'm Holly. And I'm Dave. Thanks for listening. Over and out. Check you later. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.